Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co-host, Dylan Ray. We have with us uh, one of our new corporate partners from Velvet Antler Technologies. We have co-owners Daryl and AJ on with us today. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So now, where where are you guys located? So I'm located up in Idaho. Okay. And I am in Salt Lake City. Okay. So that makes sense. So you guys are are fairly close. I understand you're going to be joining us in Reno for convention. Yes, sir. All right. We're excited about that. We're putting together one heck of a program. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm I'm fully expecting to. Perfect. Uh, Jason, where are you? You're obviously not in your studio. Where are you at in the world right now? I am in St. Louis, Missouri at the, uh, um, at the, I'm here for the AWCP meeting, the, uh, American wildlife conservation partners meeting. Gotcha. So how's that's that, how's that been? pretty much all day. Uh, uh, it's good. It's most of it has yet to kick off, but, um, uh, got a lot of, a lot of friends and, and colleagues coming in and, and I'm looking forward to a really full day of meetings tomorrow. So. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's nice. We get to talk about conservation and, and the uh, North American Wildlife and Natural Resources Conference is going on at the same time. So there's wildlife folks from 
all over the country, all over the world, and uh, state agencies, federal agencies, even uh, branches of the military have their uh, fish and wildlife meetings during this thing. So, gotcha. So, so how many people yeah. are actually? How many people are actually there? Like, is it? Is it, is it not uh, open to the public? I'm guessing. I, you know, I, I'm sure the public, if they wanted to come and register, could probably attend. But it's mostly in the industry, you know, like folks right. in the the management the business. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And so a lot of our partners are here. I know uh, Nick with National Deer um, yeah. Association is here, and and Kevin from Wild Sheep, and you know our friends in NRA and Mule Deer. And a lot of our partners are here. So great, Very great cool. opportunity. So, gentlemen. Uh, I, for some reason, I thought you guys were both in the Midwest. I don't, I don't know why. Um, I always just thought you were in the Midwest. Um, so how did velvet antler technologies come about? What was the, how that happened? So I kind of, I guess I, I hate taking credit for things too much because AJ has been a huge integral part of this whole camp company, but way back when I was a guide in Nevada and I archery hunted a lot in Nevada. That's all I ever did. I was born and raised just actually 90 miles North of Reno. Um, so a lot of the guys down there at that Pope and Young show, I will probably know when I go there, I will see a lot of the old guys I used to hunt with probably. Um, but just out of necessity, really, I was a hundred miles from any taxidermist. So I started trying to figure out how I could cure my velvet on my deer because I hated to see them rot. By the time I got them somewhere, they were rotten. So just over the years, playing with things and learning what I could spray on that velvet to keep them cured up. Um, it kind of was born there. Um, fast forward, I moved to Idaho about 11 years ago, about that time. Uh, it was about a year after I was there, probably. Um, it's kind of funny how AJ and I met. I was working at a place up there in Idaho, and a and, uh, guy there had a big set of antler sheds that he wanted to sell. So he said, hey, you, he's an older gentleman, didn't know how to get rid of them. So I threw them on eBay, and just so happened that AJ was actually the second bidder on them. The first guy didn't pay for the antler sheds that this guy wanted to sell. So I just kind of, you know, him and I got to talking, you know, after I shipped them to him and, and it kind of blossomed from there. And I shared my passion of velvet with him and how I cure him. And he says, man, we should start trying to market this thing and kind of just went from there. Right. And then fast forward again, I guess, cause it can be a long drawn out story here, but uh, just meeting people in the industry, you know, coming a, a need for things. Somebody would say, Hey, man, you guys have this velvet thing. Do you have anything I can clean my mounts with? So then we, we build a mount cleaner. And so everything we've built has been out of necessity. People coming to us and saying, man, can you do something else in this industry to help us? And, and everything we've built has been out of this necessity to help the hunter and the everyday do-it-yourself type of guy. Yeah. Nice. It's awesome. And it's and, and you guys, I know we had a chance to visit a little bit at, I think it was, utah at the western hunt expo and it was fascinating to learn about this because for for pope and young for years and years we would measure velvet entries but you couldn't enter them into the book and recently we have added uh, the only way you could enter a velvet antler animal into the actual records program before was if you stripped the velvet 
which if you have a beautiful velvet animal, it, I, I can't imagine wanting to do that. But people did it. And so now we've added this velvet uh, category. And so for us, it is very much in the spotlight because we have just monster velvet stuff coming in right now. People that have never entered it wouldn't strip the velvet to enter it in as hard horn. Now all of a sudden they're they're seeing this opportunity and we're getting some amazing trophies coming in. So the timing here is is fantastic for us. Um, and it was just such a neat partnership with everything we've got going on and everything you guys have going on. But tell tell folks a little bit about it. I, I know I'm like, okay, velvet or technologies. I mean, they already come with velvet. What is this replacement? There's, so, so this actually preserves the original natural stuff. So can you guys go into that just a little bit for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that process? Sure. So, so it was really designed number one to be done in the heat and the sunlight, right? Cause I, I designed it in Nevada out in the deserts of Nevada. You don't have the luxury of trees and shade and ice chests and all that. So if you're back in somewhere, it's meant to be sprayed on when you're back there, after you've taped your animal off, you spray it directly on the velvet and it actually starts working the minute you spray it on. So the time you're traveling back to the truck, getting back to camp, all that, it's already doing its work. Right. So Generally, in the heat and the sun out there in the deserts, high country, you know, you're going to cure a set of antlers in 72 hours. Um, so, you know, a lot of guys hunt together with partner parties, right? You're all together out there. It used to be the thing where you'd spray it on that velvet and you'd hurry to get back to the truck and you'd hurry up to get to town and you leave all your buddies behind and they're hunting. And you don't have to do that anymore, right? You spray it on there. You, you go set it out in the sun and in the heat. And, and you go continue to hunt with your buddies. And that's that's the joy and the beauty of it. You get to stay out there and continue to do what you love to do. That's cool. Or for some of those guys, they can throw it in the back of the truck and drive around for two days. Yeah, you can do that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, guys also just that. Came out, you guys also just came out with a, a pretty stinking cool turkey product. How does that work? So it, it's essentially the same type of, system right it just you spray it on the base of a turkey fan it'll cure a turkey fan completely dry and hard and solid in five days no uh, borax wow. no salt none of that garbage you just spray it on the base of that turkey fan it'll kill any of the bugs that are in it any of the turkey mites any of that kind of stuff and it'll cure that turkey fan in five days that's pretty cool that is also, cool another product that i'm excited to pick your brain about uh we have a mutual friend um the the holders from raised hunting and oh, yeah. uh i saw them do a video about this this product about bugs going inside your taxidermy and i was just like i had no idea that was a thing like that never even dawned on me um and they'll actually be at convention uh they're they're doing one of the luncheons at convention um but anyways tell me about that first off tell me <laughs> How how many bugs are in my in my in my taxidermy? That's what I got to know first. You know, you never you just never know, and that's the problem. You don't know until you know, right? And and when you know, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. Um, so it's this too is late. kind of a yeah. I mean, this is a maintenance system essentially, right? We tell people every four to six months, depending on the animal, the humidity, where you live, that kind of thing. You spray this product on, you brush it in. The brush will actually carry the product down to the hide surface where those bugs live. 
and it'll keep them from coming back for every four to six months if you'll just keep applying that. It cleans the hide, the hair, it shines up the antlers, it shines up the hide afterwards, and it just gives them a whole new fresh look and feel about them. Um, that's you know, cool. I've had people tell me, I've had people tell me, say, hey, you know, I already got hair falling out. So I'm like, I don't want to touch it. Well, if you don't touch it, it continues to fall out. You continue to have a bug problem. It just eventually is going to have no hair left. So take your losses, right? And brush out yeah. what little hair you're going to lose and and everything's better. But, uh, you know, it's funny because up until about 15, 20 years ago, somewhere in there, they used to put arsenic in tanning solutions. So they FDA, whoever made them stop doing that. Right. Bugs don't like arsenic, obviously. So they're not going to chew on a hide or a hair that has arsenic in it. But when they stop doing that now, 15 years later, everybody's starting to see the repercussions of them not using that arsenic anymore. And they're starting to see more and more bug infestations. Wow. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, I know. You- Sorry, go ahead, Jay. When I moved, yeah, when I moved, I had um, I had some trophies in storage. They, they were in a truck for, for like a year. They're all boxed up, but I wound up, you know, I had a mule deer and an antelope that both just, I mean, the bugs got in there and just tore them up. It's pretty bad. So I wish, I wish I'd had some of this back then. So, so the problem with that is, is they will actually lay eggs in there and then they'll leave as adults. Then those eggs will hatch. And that's what's actually chewing on the larva, on the, the hair follicles, that larva, that's their food while they grow. And then they hatch and they fly away again before they fly away. They lay more eggs. So it's a continual process. So if you see an adult bugs, I've had people say, well, I got the orchid man comes out and sprays for me. The orchid man can spray all he wants. He's killing adult. That's like spraying the air for mosquitoes. You never kill mosquito population spraying fog in the air. It just gives a good, warm, fuzzy feeling to the customer, right? But unless you get down to that hide surface and he's that working man is spraying each hide and brushing it in to where those bugs live down at that hide surface, they're not doing anything but giving you a warm, fuzzy feeling because they killed all these adult bugs. Huh. So if you have treated velvet antlers with the with your velvet antler spray, does that affect the way that the the treatment of of that spray will will work, or does it all work together? So so it, it's not going to affect it, but that the Velvolock will help that bug curing or keeping away process that first set of that six months because that's part of the process of the cure is keeping the bugs away at the same time. After that six months, you want to pick up the Trophy Clean to start using it every six months on that velvet as well or same thing those bugs will chew that velvet and you'll start losing velvet gotcha that's wow. what mo- yeah most folks listening right now probably have trophies on the wall so this is something yeah. that they need to hear about because <laughs> you just never know what to do like you said oh i called the orkin man but if if they're not doing it right then they're it just isn't getting it done so now are you guys uh so so what is I have a guess in my mind, but what are what are your favorite animals to chase? <laughs> Actually, my uh, my favorite animal, my animal of choice, if I had to chase them, it's a toss up between antelope and big mule deer bucks. That's okay. Yeah, if I'm elk hunting and I see a big mule deer, the elk's going away. Buy elk. Yeah. I'm going to go. You're, hunt them. you're not deer. 
Okay. I was going to, mule deer would have been my guess because, especially, you know, for, you know, for a lot of our, our members, they just don't hunt much in, in velvet. I mean, they're hunting in November and peak of the rut and they're like, velvet, what are you talking about? So a lot of the, the velvet, and it, this works on whitetails just fine or, or caribou or anything. But, um, when, when you're talking to people who velvet is often a priority, it's, it's more times than not uh, mule deer. So. Right. And, and I think AJ, his, his animal of choice is going to be a bighorn sheep. I already know what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I admit I'm kind of the oddball in the group. Uh, I do love big deer. Absolutely do love big deer. But if I, I don't, if I had a choice and I could actually do it, often it would be bighorn sheep and bear 100 percent. okay yeah, i'm on the bear train with you i'm on the oh, bear it's so train. much fun see and that's you know so uh, the you know you don't see a lot of velvet bighorns out there or velvet no. bears yeah actually speak, <laughs> you know what here's here's something neat we'll just we've got some posts coming up about this but this is something that i'm excited about speaking of bighorns is we just participated a week oh, ago yeah. um, on some bighorn studies in uh, northeastern Oregon. There's a, a joint partnership with Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, Idaho Department of Fish and Game, Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. Um, they're partnering with Wild Sheep Foundation and some others. Um, we partnered on with Wild Sheep. They brought us some some things, and they said, "Hey, here's." Here's some great projects that Pope and Young could contribute to. And so we actually went up on the mountain and I mean, they literally were out net gunning big horns on the cliffs, bringing them in, dropping them with the helicopters. We process them, weigh them and blood tests and everything else. And, and, uh, it was a great experience. And it's so neat to see, you know, everybody talks about conservation, but there's something special I've never hunted bighorns, but I'll tell you what, when you see them rolling in, hanging from a helicopter, that's, that's literally conservation at its finest right there. Yeah. That's amazing. That sounds like an awesome opportunity. Yeah, it was neat. And uh, we had a lot of partners up on the mountain. And, and so it was, a, it was really a good opportunity to visit with people and, and make some connections that I think will help will help our conservation program while helping their programs along the way. So. Well, and while we're, while we're speaking about sheep and bear, let's talk about one more product. So we have a product called Hydelock. Um, so this stuff is actually phenomenal. You know, a guy goes on a sheep hunt and it's a, could be upwards of a 30, $40,000 hunt, right? You got to pack in salt to keep all your hide in shape. Well, we created the Hydelock product. In the beta testing portion of this, I took two white-tailed deer hides out in Maryland when I was hunting, and I kept them for 10 days in a plastic bag in September, unrefrigerated in the back of my truck. And I never lost any hair out of those two, those two hides. They went to the tannery, they went to the taxidermist, and they came back just like the day I killed them. So if guys are going in these backcountry hunts for bear, for any of these, really, for your early season deer, anytime you can't keep that hide refrigerated, that hide lock will be a saving grace for you. That's cool. 
you left them in a plastic bag in the back of your truck for how long? 10 days in Maryland. From Maryland down through the Carolinas, through Georgia. I stayed in Georgia, hunted a few days. Went drove all the way down through Mississippi, up through Arkansas. When I got to Arkansas, I shipped them home to my taxidermist. I left them in my truck for 10 days. Wow. In high humidity, high temperature in September. That, that just sounds nasty. I didn't even stay. <laughs> Did, and, and didn't lose any hair. That's crazy. Because nope. you would think that it would just be a mass of nasty after about three days. Yep. Usually they would be, this is just, it's another one of those, those things added to the list. Right. And I always shout out to Doyle Moss because Doyle Moss is the one that he said that to me. He goes, man, you got the velvet stuff figured out. If you could figure out how to keep a hide from rotten on the mountain, you'd be money. Right. So we went to work, right. AJ and I went to work back and forth, kicking stuff off of each other, try to figure out what we can do and different formulations. It took us about a year to generate everything and put it together and do enough beta testing to know that it works put a label on it in a bottle and off we go. Nice. Now, did you guys get to bring arsenic back? No arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? So, uh, so what's next on the horizon? What's the next product? Oh, I don't know. We still have, well, what else do we got? We got our blood remover out there. That blood remover nurse actually works really good on same thing like stone sheep. You get a stone sheep that gets blood in it. They can't bleach it. They have a hard time getting the blood out of it. Antelope, same way. Our blood remover, you can spray it on there. It'll dissolve it. It takes that blood and just turns it, that proteins into liquid form and you can wash mm. it away. It'll take your blood out of your backpacks and your clothing, everything else as well. It's all safe for all that stuff. Um, Do you have also- anything that grows, grows in? Like Dylan and I can sure use a product that yeah. grows. I seem to be always, like on my trophies, I seem to be, you know, like, like an eighth inch short here and there. And so like, if, if you had something that could help grow that, that would be huge for us. <laughs> no, can't do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know what? Our records guys and all of our official measures are really glad to hear that. So, <laughs> those, those guys work really hard keeping the integrity in our system. So, oh, you um, ain't kidding. Yeah. I think if you could ever invent, even if it didn't grow them, if you could just ever uh, create the, uh, what is it, the, the, the fix for ground shrinkage, I think it would be, the, I don't know how many people I talk about, oh man, I shot this big animal, then I walked up to it and every step I took, it just got smaller. And, and you know, and, and you know smaller. what's really funny is those scorers too. They probably get it all the time when they're official scoring something, and the guy brings it in and goes, "Yeah, my buddy scored it. Scored one fifty five. The scorer gets in and yeah. goes, one thirty five. Yeah, it's one one fifth. I think it's one fifty five to one sixty two. Seems to be. I, I think you know. I think that's legitimately every two hundred inch mule deer that I've been told about has been in that range. Like, it's like, oh man, I got a 200 inch mule deer. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to see a picture. And they show you a picture. I'm like, well, can you show me the 200? And they're like, well, that's it. And it's like, literally, it's like, well, you know, Billy Bob's cousin's nephew's stepbrother measured this right there on the tailgate of the truck. And he told me it was 200 inches. And I'm like, sure he did. So. And I finally got like 200. That's not easy to do. 
No, he's two oh five and seven eighths. He's gross though. You can't. It's yeah. That's what's tough with Pope and Young is you have your deductions, you know. But gross, he's two oh five and seven eighths because he's got a bunch of trash. But yeah, I'll take it. Which doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't take anything away from the animal, but uh, nope. it's, uh, you know, we consider our trophies kind of like a fishing trip. It it doesn't count till you get it the net. Yep. <laughs> you know, once once it's in the net, then, then you can count it. Then you drop it on the floor of the boat. Same thing with trophies, man. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, you got to get them in the net. But no, that's still, still a heck of a, heck of a buck, no, no matter how you slice it. Yes, sir. So yeah, and then yeah. Uh, so getting back to backpacking in the backcountry. So another one of our products that kind of uh, resolved out of necessity. Um, I broke my back in 2019, and uh, I'm watching all these people packing animals out on my phone. Right, I'm looking at my phone, watching pictures, and I see these guys tying rope around the velvet on their deer, packing them out, and I just. It makes me sick. I'm so passionate about my velvet. Right. So I actually got my wife's sewing machine and I started sewing out this pattern of something we can build to hold a head on a backpack. So same thing, bouncing ideas off of AJ and where we should put straps and what we should do with it. We came up with the trophy head hauler and it, is, it, it really just goes over just the head and the cape of a deer head and it'll hold it on any backpack. It'll adapt to any backpack, has eight buckles on it, it clips on it the backpack and you can cinch it down super tight, holds it in place without touching any part of the antler or the horn. That's cool. So we have yeah, them in I a should... couple different sizes and different colors. So yeah, I uh I shot a buck this year and it was it was laying there beautiful mule deer and it was a four point full velvet and I didn't even have to get him very far out. I didn't have to pack him. I could drag him down to where I could get to him with the vehicle. And uh, by the time I got him just to where I could get a, a vehicle in to pick him up later that day, it was, I mean, the the velvet had, had rubbed off of one side completely. And then the other side, everywhere I'd grab to pull him out, it just, evaporated it was so i really wish that i'd have had a a better system for for that because he was just gorgeous and full velvet and then by the time he he got to camp it was all it was half gone it was pretty yeah, and, sad and it's kind of neat really with that head hauler if you were to take it and wrap it around that head and use it as a handle you it will hold the head up for you without touching the antlers you wrap it around, wrap those buckles around and cinch them down around the head and use the front two straps as a ro as a hold holder. And you could pull them out of the woods that way without holding on to that velvet. Gotcha. Yeah, that was a, um, I mean, that was a, I, I guess it was a good lesson to learn on a buck that I wasn't going to have mounted. So that way, you don't. I don't learn it on the, on the, the big one. Right. When I get my 205. <laughs> <laughs> or or one or one fifty five, you know, as most people. So, um, so here, well, here's a question for you guys. You're you're going to be at convention, so hopefully you've got your tickets. Dylan, do we even have uh, on our convention route? Do we have any tickets left? There might, I think, there might be a few. I don't, I'd have to check, Ooh, but I I do believe last time I checked, um, there were some tickets left. So okay. I do believe there's still some tickets left. 
anyway, so if you guys are coming to Reno, you're you're definitely if you're not in on this already, you want to get in on this. But either way, we're going to ask you the question. So we're going to start. Uh, Daryl, you're up first. So here is the here four choices. Choice number one is a Yukon moose. Wonderful hunt with McMillan River, top of top notch hunt. Option number two, choice number two is a Peter Barella mountain goat brown bear combo. Choice number three is jumping across the pond to South Africa with uh, Motschweer, and it is a lion, Cape buffalo, sable, crocodile, lioness hunt. Option number four is with Rainy Pass Lodge, and it is doll sheep, brown bear, caribou, black bear combo. So, Daryl, you're up oh. first. Which of those four are you taking? Oh, that kills me because I my bucket list animal is a caribou, but I'd love to kill a moose. I'd probably have to pick the moose hunt. Okay. And uh, AJ, how about you? That's not even a that wasn't even a thought for me. <laughs> I would go brown bear and sheep all day long. Really? Okay. Absolutely. See, I, I go back and caribou, forth. But brown yeah, bears. see for for me, I go back and forth because because I think for me the number matters. Like I'd love to shoot a Yukon moose, but if I'm going that far, I don't know if I want to travel that far and just get one thing. So I like the opportunity. I like the availability to go get like either the doll sheep, brown bear, caribou, you know, et cetera, et cetera, or or the Africa because that some of the stuff on the Africa hunt. Are like, like I guess to me, I just never envisioned ever being in a position where I could go lion hunting, maybe Cape Buffalo, but you know, some of that other stuff is just like, wow. So I guess for me, that would, would be the, the one that's probably the most far fetched in my brain. So I might add, I might've had to go with that one just cause yeah. I, I just never envisioned that. See, and for me, I've talked to lots and lots of Africa guys and I'm just, I would really have to be picky on which Africa guy I went with and have to really do my homework before I just jump into something with somebody. <laughs> yeah. We, we did the homework for you. That's why it's with Machwir. They are, we've, we've had several of our members and regular members and, and even some of our board members hunted with those guys and it's top notch. It's, it's big big cape buffalo and and the lions are exportable so it's it's still not easy because u.s fish and wildlife service doesn't make anything easy but it's uh yeah that one the research has been done for you yeah so gotcha yeah so anyway that one uh you know i've been at show show season kind of like you guys all all year so far and i'll tell you what for it's a hundred dollar ticket. There's only fifteen hundred total available. That's as good of odds as I've run into anywhere this this show season on hunts of that caliber. There's just nowhere else you can go. Um, you know, that's that's your odds are about twice as good as what they are for most hunts of that caliber. Gotcha. But uh, that and then the other one that we're run, we're drawing Saturday. In fact, 
Uh, Chuck Adams is coming up on stage to announce the winner. Uh, we got another one that's it's a twenty dollar ticket, and it's a whitetail hunt in Oklahoma at Liberty Ranch, and you get to spend a weekend camp with Chuck Adams. So that one's kind of cool. It's like something you can't buy. Right. And, uh, you know, Chuck's got more entries into Pope and Young than anybody else out there. Um, I was going to say arguably the best living bow hunter on the planet, but I don't even know. Dylan, is there even an argument there? Is there anybody else that would, would be in the running? I know oh Frank would like to think he is. Well, but what about the time Frank? Frank called Chuck and said, hey, dude, I just passed you in the record books. Not for long. Chuck said, really? said, I haven't entered anything in about five years. So he called a measure and Chuck called him back yep. and said, no, I, I went ahead and got some stuff measured. Wow. I'm about a, I'm about 50 ahead of you now. Yeah. I think he said, uh, yeah. Imagine just having in your garage, like 50 trophies you could just send up open. Yeah. Just, just, just call know, them up. Cause and, yeah. 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 Cause Frank Noska was getting close. I, you know, that'll be interesting to see if, I, you know, Frank's got a lot of, I, Chuck's still getting it done. That's the crazy thing is this guy's been doing it as long as I've been around and Chuck is still, I mean, uh, you know, this year he's got potential world records that we're going to be on display. We'll have on display in Reno. And so this guy's been doing it for literally decades and he's still getting it done. So that'll be interesting. We still need to get those two guys on together. We were going to do that last year, and then all of a sudden Chuck shot another world record. And, yeah. and so we went that angle instead, but uh, we still need to get the two of those guys on. Yeah, what yeah, a jerk. Funny. Just shooting world records just to mess up our plans, you know? I know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, now, if I could go That's on the whitetail hunt, I would probably pick the whitetail hunt out of all of that if I could kill a 170 or better whitetail. And they're there. Because currently I have my 360 bull on the wall with my bow. I got two 80 inch antelope with my bow. I have my 100 or 200 inch mule deer with a bow. Now I need my white tail, my 170 inch white tail. <laughs> now, now are those all in the books? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I did a couple of them through SCI. I, I, I have a hundred and I'll bring one of my deer with me. That's a 30 inch five by six that I killed in Ely in velvet. Never had him score officially. Well, you bet. You better get those things in the Pope and Young books because if it ain't through the program, it doesn't count. Those guys won't even let they won't even let you say a number unless it's been through the through the program. I know. I have a. I killed a whitetail in Maryland a couple years ago that I scored him at like one forty eight and some change, but I call him one fifty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 150, 200. Yeah, I got a 200 inch. <laughs> no, that's that's the thing. Is it's uh, but no, if, if you got those around, man, just uh, connect up with some guys. We got some. I'm sure we got some official measures not too far from you, and get those things put in. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, am, I can proudly say, I don't want to say proudly because either way, I'm wrong. But I always underjudge, like. I've, I've had friends that are like, what do you think this scores? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, maybe 140. And then it's measured. And they're like, dude, that was 160. You're way off. And I'm like, huh? sorry. I, I don't know why. I've always been that way. I've always under, under guessed and underscored. I don't, I don't know why. I'm not an official measure. Just so everybody knows. Don't start bringing it. No, 
<laughs> They're like, well, we're never no. going to that guy to measure. They don't. No, I, I, I want. I need to take the course because I want to understand more about you know what it takes to go through the process. I have a pretty good idea, but I, I want to do the measuring course. But man, when you look at at what those guys do, I mean, it's it's. I've been around hunting my whole life. Like literally, I was born in August, September. I was in deer camp, so I'm not new to hunting. I'm not new to, you know, scores or numbers. And I've I don't know how many animals I've seen scored on a kitchen table or a tailgate or something. And those those aren't scored. Those are just rough. And I'll tell you what: when you get with an official measure, I mean, if if you're having something somebody stretching the tape on one of your trophies i i know some of the best measures in the world because they're most of the best measures in the world are pope and young because they get to do more than what some of the other um measures get to do the training's intensive um i mean it's a three-day process with a test just to become an, an om and it is if the first thing, if you go to have something scored and the first thing they do is not break out the measuring manual, then it's just a guess. Because even the best scores in the world, when you go, to, when Stan Zerbel, who is, you know, measures as many whitetails as, as anybody that I'm aware of, when he goes to measure a whitetail, the first thing he does as one of the most experienced guys in the world is break out the measuring manual. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, See, and so, I can proudly uh, say I have Victor Clark's name on one of my score sheets. So I like that. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't know Victor, but is, is well, he you know, an OM? He's, he's one of the, he's one of the, he's one of the guys that he'll, he does measurements for score for tiebreakers when, or for an official, like there's two guys that one guy says it's 160 and one says it's 163, and they need that. He's that guy they send it to that says, You fix it for us and you give us the right score. <laughs> gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, antelope, uh, you want to talk about scoring? Antelope on hoof are one of the hardest animals in the world to score. It's, see, I. I I don't know if I'm just bad at scoring them or if I'm just optimistic and I just want them to be a little bit bigger than they are. <laughs> Cause the, the, you know, and the funny thing is like, like uh, this year, I, I, the antelope I shot in Oregon, um, you know, I hunted several days and he was the best buck I saw on the entire unit. I mean, I had, there were little dinks that hadn't even forked yet that were running like 15, 20 head of does. It was just, um, my, my hunt, the archery hunt started the day after the second rifle season in this zone. So it was, uh, I don't know if I had it to do over again, it was good experience, but I don't know that I'd have done that considering, um, the factors involved, but there were literally immature bucks with, with big herds of does. And so this was the biggest buck I saw in the entire unit that was left over after the rifle hunts. And he's, he still didn't make Pope and Young. So you know where you and find, you know where hoping, you find big antelope? Let me tell you where you find big antelope. Where are your antelope? In the back of the rifle hunters trucks? No, where the other <laughs> antelope aren't. 
where the other antelope yeah. aren't. That's where you find big yeah. antelope. If you're finding antelope and you're looking at antelope all the time, stop looking for those antelope and go look where the antelope are not. Because those big bucks only come in when those does get hot and they'll come in right then, breed them, and they're gone. They're very solitary. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I had 30 some thousand pictures because I had, I had uh, cameras up in Idaho. I had a tag there this year. And I had 30 some thousand pictures. <laughs> and I think I had one, one or two antelope in 30,000 pictures. So maybe that's where the big ones are. But I, I, I didn't have the uh the confidence to stick around <laughs> and, and find out yeah so but any any big plans for this year what's what's next up on your guys radar so we got a bear hunt coming up uh hopefully a couple tv shows i i'm hoping that warren comes out from raised hunting tv he's supposed to be coming out with us and hang out and see if we can find a bear or two to kill and aj wants to kill one real bad so gonna come to idaho and try to put him on a bear there and, and then it's nice. busy season busy season for us for getting product ready for the new season listen gotcha i have terrible i have a terrible reputation in idaho for bears terrible <laughs> uh, it's not just idaho dylan it's not just idaho <laughs> no but idaho is specifically bad um, I, I told a story. I was actually, I was asked to, uh, to speak at a wild game dinner at a church this weekend. And I told a story about when I was bear hunting in Idaho and maybe I shouldn't give Jason this ammo, but I guess I'm going to, um, but I had hunted for like nine days and we were hunting with the guys from SNS archery, um, and on day 10, they said, well, hey, there's a burger joint just right up the road. So why don't we take a break, come off the mountain, go get a burger. There's some hot springs up there. You know, we can bathe and uh, just take an easy day. And uh, I was like, yes, 100% I'm in. And so we had went to this burger joint, had a nice burger, first hot meal, you know, in 10 days and and um, went to the hot springs. And so we get done. We just throw on our street clothes. You know, I'm wearing jeans and sandals. So I get back to camp uh, to, you know, get my hunting clothes back on. And lo and behold, the first bear we see all week was when I'm wearing jeans and flip-flops on our way back from the hot springs. And they said, dude, there's a stinking bear right over there. And we were still, you know, 30 minutes from camp where all our hunting gear was. And I was just like, well, this is the best opportunity we've had, you know, to find a deer or to find a bear uh, and uh, in the nine days. And so we don't have no time to go back and, and get boots and camo. And so we start stalking this bear, putting a stock on him. And I learned pretty quickly, these sandals are holding me back. Um, well, I'm from Arkansas, so we're a bunch of backwoods hillbillies anyways. So I kick my shoes off and I, I, we go 2.1 miles to kill this bear. And I'm completely barefooted in the mountains of Idaho. I counted like 132 stickers in my feet. They were all cut up and bloody. Um, it was a horrible, horrible time. And then I stink and miss the bear, um, miss the shot. And don't kill him anyways. And so that was my first trip to Idaho. And then this year I went to Idaho to hunt bears and I shot one at 13 yards with my recurve and shot it high and never found it. I threw the bow and I said, I'm never hunting Idaho again. <laughs> that's how that one went. Oh, that's funny. So, so yeah. are you going to have a book, the, the 
you know, Dennis Dunn has his bare bow. I have look, bare or you can have a bare feet look. Yep. hundred percent. Okay. I am. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that was bad. I've still got a picture of my feet. Um, from that, from that experience. But, uh, yeah, it was not, it wasn't smart or fun. Yeah. Were you guys running bait or just no, spot and stock? Just spot and stock. Interesting. Yep. No, I do love bear hunting and I actually am planning a trip back. Um, I hunted bears in the McCall area this, this fall, um, which is when I shot him with my recurve. Um, and it had a great hunt. I just, you know, that's bow hunting. I never found it. Um, I, I, I do probably believe that bear's dead. Um, just based off of where the arrow went in and where it came out and the blood on my arrow. Um, but I did hit him a bit high, probably caught top of back lung, um, and just never, never found him. Um, but I do plan on going back to Idaho and that McCall area, uh, for a spring hunt. We've actually got our Baku bash, uh, there in May. Um, and that's only, it's right there in Ogden. So, uh, I can be there, um, to the McCall area and, you know, four and a half, five hours from there. So plan on trying to go up and shoot a spring bear after that event. So nice spring bear better eating anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Hey, I guess there's one more product that I haven't talked about a little bit. Um, probably should touch on it just a little bit. Another one that kind of came out of necessity, um, is our bone bright product. So that one is, has a kit and it comes with a couple brushes, a towel. It has a, a spray on degreaser and a spray on whitener for doing your own European mounts. So a lot of guys out there wanting to do their own and, and actually it came from New Zealand more than anything. The guys there kind of messaged us and said, Hey man, what, you know, we have a hard time getting a hold of any type of products for doing any European mounts. So, uh, we created something that we could sell to them down there and then everybody here was happy to see we did that and started selling it here too. So <laughs> kind of That's a cool, cool product. Nice. That, it's once again, born out of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, and these are the, you'd like to say, Oh, here's products. Like sometimes we get products that people didn't even know they needed. People know they need these. They just may not know they're available yet. Right. You know, and the beauty of that bone bright product is if you have skulls on the wall already, they start to yellow over time. You know, I don't yeah. care. I mean, people will argue with me and there's some taxidermists out there that'll say, I get all the grease out of them. I just, to me, I have to argue that point because you can't get all the grease out of all that bone every time. It just doesn't happen. Right. So they're going to yellow over time. Just that grease comes out of them 10, 12 years down the road. You really can't reboil those or re-simmer them macerate them again to get that grease out of them so there's really no way to do that to take the grease out in a good way and re-whiten them so that's another reason we created this you can spray that on an old skull that's already on the wall a couple days later you spray the whitener on there and and all in all five days later you have a nice pretty bright white skull again yeah i've i've got some africa stuff that could probably use that because they're not i don't I don't know if they were ever white to begin with. Yeah. I started. A I, think they just, of, I started just, uh, I had a buddy tell me I, I spent all day long one time boiling three skulls and scraping and cutting and boiling and pulling and, you know, nasty. Then I had a buddy he came by the house. He said, why don't you just bury it? I'm like, what do you mean? 
And uh, this was years ago. He said, just bury it out back for about four months and pull it up. It'll be, it'll be clean. I'm like, no way, dude. And so I, sure enough, out back behind my yard right now, I've got three heads buried and uh, you pull them up in four to five months and there's not a thing left on them, but they don't get near as white. Um, you know, they kind of stain it brown cause the earth, but, um, so that makes me excited. I'm going to order some of that, make the skulls wider. Yeah. I always pressure wash them after you get done simmering them, yeah. macerating them, put on some rain gear and get the pressure washer out. Take them to the car wash is the best place to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Let the I car actually, wash have all the remnants. <laughs> I actually, um, I saw somebody post one time and say, go to the car wash and use the tire cleaner because it has degreaser on it and it'll yep. pull all that grease out of the skull when you use the tire cleaner. Um, cause it's made to, you know, break down the grease. Um, then you spray it off and, and, uh, so yeah. Yes, sir. I'm sure these Man. car wash owners love hearing that people take yes. bloody, gross, nasty <laughs> skulls and pressure wash in their bays. If you're, yeah, a car wash owner, for doing dirt. if you're a car wash owner we sincerely apologize but thank you for your service to our country yeah yeah I, you know i'm gonna go on a guess and say that ain't the worst thing that's been done at car washes <laughs> no <You're> probably like, <laughs> yeah so well, well dylan why don't you uh why don't you step up with the next one all right gentlemen so one question that we ask everybody this is uh I don't know I don't know how this question came about. It just we asked the first person randomly and decided it needed to stick. Um Yeah. But we ask every single guest, what's one non-traditional hunting item that you don't find yourself without? So, not your binoculars or a knife, um something that everybody carries, but but something non-traditional that you always have with you when you're hunting. Oh, man. That's tough. Well, this this probably sounds know. really funny, but I actually carry chapstick everywhere. I hate chapstick, and I don't use chapstick very often ever, but I always have it in my pocket. There you go. <laughs> I think if you're, I think it, you said AJ's in charge of your marketing. I think if he doesn't say Velvalock, then he's not doing a great job. Of <laughs> <laughs> I actually carry one of every single product we make. So my pack is like 68 pounds because I carry everything that we just, just for the photo opportunity, you know, the content creation. That's, that's what I do. There you no, go. I would say mine is as dumb as this is, is probably Jolly Ranchers. I always, my pack either always has Jolly Ranchers or like the little cinnamon hard candy. That's just a personal thing that I always, you know, when I hike a lot and do backcountry stuff, I need, something and i don't necessarily love having gum or whatever so yeah I, I don't know if that really fits the bill but as far as like yeah. a non-traditional thing i always have you can always count on i either have those little fireball candies or jolly rangers the overwhelming amount of our answers is something food related <laughs> yeah well i think Definitely. it's because it, it helps boost your spirits right like if you're grinding oh, out like you were mentioning you're chasing bears for nine days in the in the hell holes in Idaho. Like it is grueling. It is tough. Yeah. It's taxing. You know, you spend a ton of time behind your optics and on your feet. The littlest things can make you it can just turn a hunt around. And that could be a, a food item, a drink, you know. So I know some guys like 
there's one kid that I hunt with that he will always have a Mountain Dew with him. And it's kind of as a backup, you know, like if he gets to that point where emotionally and mentally he's getting, he's getting worn out, he'll pop that sucker open and man, he's good to go for another couple of days. So I think it's something like to Jason do with there? just, yeah, yeah, I saw him drinking his Mountain Dew. Oh yeah. It's all in due time. Homeboy don't play. He don't play. Thing that now that you got my brain reeling, the other thing I always have is a little bottle of whiskey to celebrate. I think See, now, that, now that means something. That means something different to the different people. Like some people, are like oh, I have a little bottle of whiskey. They're like one of the you know like airline bottles. Other people are like, yeah, I got a little bottle of whiskey. It's not even the full gallon. It's like a half gallon. So no, mine's just. <laughs> I always carry a little bit. A little, a little handle for my brother and I, or whoever I'm hunting with, if they choose to partake, just to celebrate. Because as you know, you know, finding them and getting on the ground is half the battle. So that's a good way to do a quick celebration and get to work. That's uh, so. Is that your next product? Going to be liver saver? <laughs> Should be. It's a great one. <laughs> now we've got some, like Daryl mentioned, a lot of no. Everything that we've done has been us getting feedback from people out there saying, Hey, you should think about this or do this or something that we've, we encounter personally that we come up with a solution for. And so we do, you know, you asked the question earlier, what's next. We've got three or four different ideas that we're kicking around and kind of beta testing and pricing out and doing some other stuff. So yeah, we've got, we're always adding to our lineup. We're always, you know, adding really trench ourselves and what we do and become the one-stop shop for everything from, from field to table type thing. So yeah, we'll see. We've got some, some cool stuff in the works. Nice. Well, I look forward to seeing you guys in Reno and uh, you're going to have a bit. So if anybody wants to see your stuff, check it out online. Where do they go for that guys? So all of our products are featured on our website, www.velvetantlertechnologies.com. We're also on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all those places you can find our product as well as, you know, pictures of our products at work and, and fi uh, finished products from customers that submitted to us. Nice. Well, hey, if also you'll be at convention and uh, it's great to be able to see the products and and hear the explanation in person for what they do and and why you you know you need it, and here it is. So look forward to seeing you guys here in just, just a few weeks, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. You bet.